Thank you, Brother Bradley. Man, I left, and Bradley's done got a goatee, man. Think about getting me one of them. Mine will be gray, so I might not, all right? But anyway, thank you so much for being here today. Those of you watching us by live stream, welcome to this service today. And let me just say from the outset, I want to say on behalf of my wife, Patsy, and on behalf of our family, thank you so much for all the prayers and all the cards that we sent. We got so many cards. I was going to the mailbox and getting cards every day. And so thank you so much for all the expressions and outpouring of love that you bestowed upon me and my wife and our family in the passing of my mom or the homegoing of my mother. My mother's in heaven now where she wanted to be. She kept telling us, said, why is the Lord leaving me here? I said, mom, I don't know. You have to take that up with him when you get there. But uh, anyway, my mom has uh, passed in a few weeks ago, and she's doing okay. Amen. I celebrate. I celebrate her homegoing. But anyway, it's nice to have a church family. I, I don't know how people who don't have a good church home, how they make it through situations like that. But your love and the outpouring expressions of your sympathy and your condolences and your love, thank you so much on behalf of all of our family. I appreciate that so much. And I also want to say thank you for my pastor, Andy John. I thank you for the invitation today to come and speak. He's on vacation today, so he's supposed to be with his family. He's going to join them. But thank you, Andy John, for your commitment and your leadership in this church during a very difficult time. And I want you to know I appreciate your leadership, and not only Andy John, but all of our staff. Amen? All of our staff, just stand up. Brother Bradley, you guys stand up for a moment. We don't recognize our staff today. Some of them already doing things, and I love our staff, man. They're doing a great job, and all the guys in the booth back there, we appreciate you. And y'all have really sincerely done a great job of leading our church in this pandemic. So I appreciate that very much. And so appreciate Allen and Heath, Lindsay Lane North and Lindsay Lane East as well for their leadership there as well. And so, uh, you know, it's a mass day, isn't it? We know how the Long Ranger felt. And so, uh, anyway, everybody has their masks, but you have them off now, so, some of you. But anyway, thank you for being here today physically, and again, for those joining us by live stream. You know, Andy John's been leading us in a series entitled Church Words. And so I've really enjoyed those messages. He's led us through the church word of, uh, of spiritual, and also last week, the, uh, the uh, church word of uh, glory. And so well, those have been great messages, haven't they? And I like the way he's introduced those messages, haven't you? He's had, the, the, what is it, Password? Jamie, you remember Password. You're old enough to remember that like me. But I remember those game shows. He's been using these game shows to introduce his messages. Well, I don't have any games this morning. So I had to call on my friend to help me introduce this message today, Little Johnny. So Little Johnny's going to help me introduce my message today. Uh, Little Johnny was in the first grade. And he said an ugly word. And his teacher said, Little Johnny, what did you say? And he, he said, well, he said it. She said, she scolded him. And she said, what are you doing saying a word like that? Where in the world did you hear that word? He said, I heard my mother say it. And she said, what? I am shocked. You heard your mother say that? He said, I sure did. She said, well, Little Johnny, you don't even know the meaning of that word. He said, yes, I do. It means the car won't start. <laughs> And so those words that we have, you know, little Johnny was walking down the street and there was his pastor out in the front yard pool starting his lawnmower. He was sweating profusely. He was frustrated because he couldn't get that lawnmower cranked. And little Johnny said, hey, Rev, what you doing? He said, I'm trying to crank this lawnmower. 
He said, why don't you just cuss it like my daddy does? And the pastor said, well, little Johnny, I don't do that. I don't say those words anymore. Matter of fact, I've forgotten most of those words. He said, you keep pulling that lawnmower. They'll come back to you. (laughs) Amen. And so we have so many words that we have in a day and so many things we don't understand. We misuse words. We're misunderstood by words we say. And so I thank God for the vision of our pastor leading us in understanding church words and how we can better be informed about the words and the lingo that we use here at the church. And so today I'm going to be talking about a church word entitled Redemption. We're going to talk about the word redemption today. So I want to pray and we're going to get started. Father, would you bless this message? Would you anoint us to hear it and apply it to our lives? And those of us who've never experienced your redemption, we don't know about the Redeemer, uh, maybe. We've heard about it. But I pray that we would come to know you in a personal way today. So speak truth into our heart, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so when we talk about the word redemption... Uh, We used to use Webster, now we use Google. So I Googled the word redemption. This was the definition. The action of regaining or retaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for a payment or clearing a debt. It's kind of like when you go to public, some of you take these coupons and you redeem those coupons for that purchase uh, item that you have. Well, let me give you the biblical definition of redemption. The biblical definition of redemption is this. It's a metaphor used for the atonement of Jesus Christ in which the death of Jesus Christ pays the price of a ransom, releasing Christians from the bondage of sin and death. That's why we sang the hymn, Jesus paid it all. So what does that mean, redemption? What did Jesus pay? He gave his life as a ransom for our debt. He paid my sin debt. He paid your sin debt on Calvary's cross. And that's what this word redemption speaks to. That's what we're going to talk about in this message today to really try to help us understand the church word redemption. So let's talk about that today. I want to give you three things that'll help us. You know, we always have three things, sometimes two, but three things that'll help us to understand what redemption means. We're going to talk about, first of all, the God of redemption. Secondly, we're going to talk about the gift of redemption. And then thirdly, I want to share with you something very exciting is the guarantee of redemption. So those three things I'm going to talk about today. So number one, let's talk about the God of redemption. The God of redemption. So open your Bibles to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. So find your place there. Whatever you have to open up or turn on, do that and let's find our place. Luke chapter 21 And I'm going to read verse 27 and 28. I'm reading from the New King James Version. This text, Luke is speaking of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in my Bible, this is red letter. And so I want you to look in verse 27, what Jesus says. He says, then they will see the Son of Man. Notice he refers to himself here as the Son of Man in his humanity. He's still on earth here, see. So he says, you're going to see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great Power and great glory. Andy John did an excellent job last week of telling us about God's glory. So when he comes, he's coming in his great power, but also in his great glory. Now, verse 28. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up, church, and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Wow. Your redemption 
is drawing near. So what is he speaking about here? What's Jesus saying about his redemption is drawing near to us? Well, God has a plan. He has a redemption plan. And we know that. Some of us have been to the church a long time. We know what this means and we understand redemption. But a lot of people don't understand what redemption actually means. To redeem fallen man, those of us who have sinned and come short of the glory of God, we're still in our sin, God paid the price to restore a severed relationship, a broken relationship with God because of sin. The Bible says that God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. He loves you and I, but he doesn't like sin. Sin separated us from God. So there had to be a price paid for that sin. And God knew that, and God had a plan, his redemption plan. So he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to pay the price for sin, for our ransom that we were under because of sin, and we experienced death by that. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, we've all heard this. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody, Billy Graham, whoever, you fill in the blank. Everybody has come short of the glory of God. Death separates us and sin separates us rather from God. But look at verse 24. Look what it says. It says this, being justified freely. By the way, his grace is free to us. That's what it says. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption. Now there's that word. Look at it. Through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. So redemption comes from God through Jesus. The only way you can be redeemed is through the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot redeem yourself. Right? You can't pay the price yourself. No matter how much money you give to the church. No matter how many churches you join. No matter, no matter how much Lord's Supper you take. No matter how many times you've been baptized, you cannot redeem yourself. You cannot pay the price for sin. Only one can do that, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. God knew that. And that's his redemption plan for mankind who are separated from God because of our sin. To redeem us back to the Father. And so God implemented that plan. Well, how, what's the plan? Here it is. John three sixteen, seventeen, and 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son... That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Christ the world might be saved. Verse 18, he who has the son has life. But he who hath not the son hath not life. That's God's redemption plan. Whoever would receive Christ in their heart. That's why we ask you at every service, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus so you can have eternal life. So your sins can be redeemed through Christ. And they already have. I'm going to share that with you today. That's why John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, God came to us through Christ. Jesus is God with skin on. So we can see God in Christ. When we get to heaven, we're going to be face to face with Jesus. Amen. Isn't that going to be awesome? And so he became our sin. Here's a great truth. God became like us, human. He did that for a purpose so that we might become like him. And John preached on this spiritually. We might become a spiritual being. We're already a physical being. But in Christ, we become a spiritual being. So he sent his son, Jesus, to redeem us from the eternal curse of sin. The eternal curse of sin. In other words, like Second Romans 5.21 says this. He who knew no sin, became sin, 
that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God made him sin that you and I might become the righteousness of Christ in, in G, of God in Jesus Christ. So he became our sin. That's what it means to be redeemed. He became our sin. So with that said, and by the way, don't forget about 1 Corinthians 6.20. Paul says you have been bought with a price. Right? What does that mean, you've been bought with a price? What did God pay for us? Well, we can't earn it. We didn't do anything to earn it, but he paid the price for our sin through Jesus Christ. So we've been bought with a price through his blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me give you a little background about redemption. Very quickly, I don't want to bore you with Old Testament stuff, but you need to read the Old Testament because it's history of the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, when we talk about redemption, it's God redeeming Israel is one thing it refers to, but God sent a deliverer through Moses, and we'll fast forward that to Jesus in the New Testament, but God delivered Israel from the bondage of slavery, but also from the bondage of sin. And so that's all through the Old Testament, the redeem, the redeemer, and the redemption of God. Now in the Old Testament, I want to introduce you very quickly to two Hebrew words that really help us when we understand this word redemption. The first word is peda, P-A-D-A. Peda is a verb that's a legal term concerning the substitution required for the sins of the people being delivered. So how did God deliver the people in the Old Testament from their sin? Well, he did it through animal sacrifices. You remember that? The priest would take up the animal. The people would bring an offering in for their sin. And they would slay that animal. And he would take the blood of that animal and sprinkle it on the people on the altar, the mercy seat behind the veil in the holy temple. And that was the way their sin offering was forgiven as a nation of Israel. And so that one time they would, they would bring their sin offering each year and it offered up for their sins. And that's the way God delivered them from their sin was through those animal sacrifices. And that was in the Old Testament. That's what that word peta means. There's another Hebrew word used for redemption. It's called goel, G-O-A-L. It says this. It's a noun form. And it means deliverer or redeemer. Now notice this Hebrew word. It's for a redeemer or their deliverer, which, which mentions delivering a person or property or a right to which one can previously claim through family relations. In the Old Testament, for instance, if you were married and your, uh, your husband died, then you had to take the brother. The brother had to take the wife. He had to redeem the wife because he was the brother of the one that died. And that's the way it was in the Old Testament. And so there was a lot of things redeemed by animal sacrifices. You bring your lamb, you bring your goat, you bring your turtle dove, whatever it is, and you offered your sacrifice, and you redeemed that sacrifice for your sin. And so Old Testament, but this noun means... It means a deliverer or a redeemer. And uh, it's a great picture. I believe the best picture of this is found in the Old Testament is in the book of Ruth. I've been reading through the book of Ruth. I really love this, uh, this story, if you will, but this truth that's in the Old Testament. And you remember that Naomi was a Hebrew. She was married to Imelech, and Imelech died. And so she left, and went, they, they both left and went to Moab because of the famine. Well, in Moab, Imelech died. And so they had two sons, and those two sons took for them Moab wives. It was Ophrah and Ruth. And so Naomi went back to Israel, and Ruth wanted to go with her, so she went with her. And then Ruth was working in the field that previously was owned by Imelech, but now someone else. And so Ruth was working in the field, and she met Boaz, who was the one that was over the field. 
he was a leader of that field, and he got attracted to her. And then I guess she was attracted to him. Amen and amen. And so they were attracted to one another, and he wanted her as his wife. So he went to Naomi, and the only way he could get her as his wife was to redeem that field, if you will, that purchased possession, what Naomi had previously owned. And so he bought back that field, from, uh, the field that he owned there that she was working in. He bought that back, and so he restored, if you will, or regained, or redeemed that field back from Naomi so he could marry Ruth, and he did, and they lived happily ever after. You just need to read that book. But in that text, in verse number 20, listen to this text. Uh, Ruth 2.20, I want to read it to you. I want you to listen very carefully. This is Ruth 2.20. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, which would be Ruth, Blessed be of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness or his covenant, what that word means, to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to Ruth, This man, who would be Boaz, is a relative of yours, Come, uh, come to our, who has come to be our close relative. And so as a relative, he bought back that field. Only he could do that because he was a relative of Imelech. And so he bought that back. And so the purpose of that is, as Boaz became a redeemer of Ruth, if you will. He, he paid the price of the field so he could marry his bride, Ruth. Now I want you to carry that thought with you to the New Testament. And that's called, a lot of you've heard a lot of messages on this, called the kinsman redeemer. Boaz was a kinsman redeemer that he, in the Hebrew word go well, he was a deliverer or redeemer for Ruth. And so he redeemed her and they became husband and wife. Now, I want you to fast forward to the New Testament. Take that same, con same context and that same thought of kinsman redeemer and let's look at the New Testament. Now, here's number two. Number one, the God of redemption. Let me give you number two. Number two is the gift of redemption. So let's fast forward now to the New Testament. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 2. Turn there with me, if you would. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9. Very familiar passage of Scripture. That's a lot of background to express this word redemption, but you need to understand the history of the word so you'll understand what it means in the New Testament. So now we're looking at the New Testament, and Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for for by grace are you saved, right? For grace are you saved through faith, and watch this, not of yourselves. Not of yourselves. Say it with me. It's a gift. Let's say that together. It's a gift. You can't save yourself. God did the saving. And so we can't save ourselves. And verse 9 said, it's not of works, lest any of us would brag about our salvation. Look what I've done. I gave all this money. I've joined this church. I've got baptized. I've got religion now. God, you've got to let me into heaven because now I'm good. No, you're still bad. You're still bad. There's none good, no, not one. So in our goodness, we, we come short. That's what it means when we come short of the glory of God. We fall short because we cannot save ourselves. And a lot of people are trying to do that. A lot of people are joining churches. They're getting baptized. They're doing all the things. They're punching all the buttons. Checking all the blocks. And they think they earn their salvation. And then when trials hit, they blame God. Well, well, hey, I've been doing good. Why are you letting this happen to me? Because in essence, you're really not good. You're bad, but God's making us good. And we are good in God's eyes because of the blood of Christ. We never earn salvation. It's by the grace of God. 
It's the gift of the Redeemer that God sent to us. And so we see Jesus now as the Redeemer in the New Testament. He's the kinsman Redeemer. And I'll show you how we are his kinsmen in just a second. And so he sent the Lord Jesus Christ to fulfill salvation through his redemptive atonement as a sacrificial lamb of God. In other words, when Jesus became the second Adam, Corinthians talks about this, Romans talks about this, it says this, that the first Adam came and we inherited Adam's sin, right? So we're sinners. But God had a plan, a redemption plan, and gave us the gift of Jesus Christ so that you and I, he sent him as the second Adam to restore, to restore and redeem mankind who was separated from God by sin. So he paid the price, he sent him as a sacrificial lamb of God to redeem us back to the Father. Because we've been separated from him because of our sin. Now listen to what 1 Peter says, 1, 18 and 19. Listen to this. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. You can't buy your way to heaven. Amen? But how do you get there then? You get there by the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, he's the perfect lamb of God. Perfect. Amen, news reporter? He is the perfect Lamb of God. Without blemish, without anything. He's perfect. And He's redeemed us that you and I might be perfect as well. Now, we're not perfect yet, right? Patsy keeps reminding me of that. You're just not perfect, all right? You're not perfect. And so I'm not, and neither are you. None of us are perfect yet. But listen to this we're going to be. We're going to be perfected. When we get to heaven, we're going to be without blemish, without spot. We're going to be in the presence of God around the throne with the Lamb of God. And all of us will be completed. We'll be perfected. And so we're working toward that. That's why we shouldn't be like we were last year. We should be growing toward perfection. Not that we'll be perfected, but we're positioning ourselves so we'll be in the presence of God. Amen? And amen. Now, the punishment for sin was the price that had to be paid. There had to be a price paid. And that's what the word ransom means, by the way. Another church word we use sometimes is ransom. Remember the song, the hymn, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe? What did he pay? He paid my ransom. He paid my sin debt. I was under bondage to sin. I was under bondage to the grave. But he paid my sin debt and he paid my debt from the grave. He paid it all, and all to him I owe. Galatians 3.13 says this. Listen to this. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. The Bible says everyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. Right? Because of the, the, the significance of that curse. But Jesus hung on a tree as a curse for us. He died in our place for the ransom for our sins and for our good and his glory. Amen? So that's awesome. It really is when you think about it. So how does it work, Pastor? How does it work, the gift of redemption? We saw that, the God of redemption. How does this gift of redemption really work? Well, the Father redeemed us. Now, here's a good part. I want you to listen to this. It's going to get gooder and gooder, okay? God redeemed me, Jamie. He redeemed you as his adopted children. Now, I want you to get a load of this. I've been adopted by God. I've been adopted. I'm a child of God. And by the way, that makes me joint heirs with Jesus. Wow. 
Amen. I'm joint heirs with you. Everything God's given to Jesus brought him back, perfected him, if you will. He came in the form of man, in humanity, and brought him back to heaven, if you will. And he was perfected. I'm going to experience that same thing. Now I'm in my humanity, but I'm going to be perfected in my glorified body. So I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I'm an adopted son of God. That's what it means to be saved. That's what we call children of God. A child of God has been adopted by God. I love it when Stacy talks about there's no orphans. There's no orphans in heaven, right? We're adopted children of God. That is an awesome concept to really understand. And so what did God do? He stepped out of heaven in His glory. He stripped, strapped on humanity like us. And he walked among us for 33 years or so in his humanity. He crucified on the cross horrifically. He crucified him. That was the price that was paid. His blood was shed for us. And then God brought the Redeemer home. He brought him home at the right hand of the Father. That's what it means when we talk about redemption. I like the way Paul explained it. Paul says in Galatians 4, 4 and 5, Listen to this scripture. But when the fullness of time came, God's timing, by the way, is what I told my mom. My mom said, well, what's God leaving me here for? I don't understand it. I don't need the mother, but it's his timing, right? And I know Billy Lecroy's in here, too. His mom passed away not long. Helen and my mom were best friends, and they're in heaven today, joining each other. And so here's what Paul said. When the fullness of time come, had come, God sent forth his son, Born of a woman, born of a woman under the law. The law condemned. And that's why he was condemned. He was condemned under the law, if you will, God's law, to redeem those who were under the law. You and I were under the law, if you will, the Ten Commandments. You remember those in the Old Testament? But you and I are under the curse of the law, the curse of sin. And so what did Jesus do? He became a curse for Dusty. He became a curse for you. He died in your place, in my place. He paid my ransom. He paid your ransom. We were under the law, but what did he say? He redeemed those. He paid the price that we might receive what? The adoption as sons. There it is. Join heirs with Jesus. I've been adopted by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I love that, I love that Jesus died in my place for my sin, to give me everlasting life. He paid my debt, and he paid my death curse as well. I can have everlasting life. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. The price to be paid for sin is death. That's why Jesus died. That's why we're going to die. Because we cannot live in our sin and go to heaven. We have to die to sin. And so because the wages of sin is our physical death. But here's the rest of that. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Redeemer. So I've been redeemed by His blood, by the great Redeemer. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. You can't describe it. I've been trying to for about 40 years now. I was a hellion. I mean a hellion. And lived a hellion's life for 27 years and then... At 3 o'clock in the morning, October 3rd, 1979, I received Christ as my personal Savior, and I experienced that indescribable gift. I know it. I know what that gift is. I can tell people about it, 
But it's really hard to explain what it really means. But I know it in my heart what I've experienced. Let me give you number three. And by the way, this is shouting ground, so hang on. Watch this. The God of redemption. Amen. Aren't you glad he had a plan for our life? And then he gave us the gift of redemption. We couldn't pay the price of sin or death, so he sent Jesus to do it for us. And then number three, the guarantee of redemption. I want you to watch this. Oh, this is good. The guarantee of redemption. You're in Ephesians chapter 2. Turn back to chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Look in verse 7. I believe it's in one verse of Scripture all wrapped up as redemption. I'm going to give you more, but it's in this one. Verse number 7. Ephesians 1, 7. If you, if you highlight in your Bible or mark in your Bible, you want to mark this passage of Scripture. Ephesians 1, 7. In Him. Who is that? Jesus. In Christ. We have redemption. We have redemption. How? Through the blood, through His blood, Christ, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches and the grace of God. There's Ephesians 2, 8 wrapped up in that as well. By the grace of God. Redemption is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look with me in verse 11 and following. Ephesians 1, 11. Watch this. Here's a preposition again. In Him, in Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance. Join heirs with Jesus, adopted Son of God. There it is. I've attained an inheritance through Christ, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Now watch verse 12. That we who first trusted in Christ, this is the Jew. He's speaking of the Jews here. Paul was a Jew. He said the, one, the first ones who trusted in Christ, and then what he said, should be to the praise of His glory. Now watch verse 13. In Him you also... Who is that? That's the Gentile. So Paul's writing to the Gentile church. He said, listen, we Jews have accepted Christ, and now he's been available, made to you now. And you've trusted him. So he's encouraging the church. Verse 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. That's what you're hearing today. That's what you've been hearing in this pulpit. You've been hearing the word of church, truth. What are you doing with it? Listen to it. In him... You trusted in Christ after you heard the word of truth, the gospel, the good news of what? Salvation, being saved. In whom also, you having believed in Christ, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed after you believed, after you heard, after you got saved. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee. Of our inheritance. It's not a maybe so, hope so inheritance. I'm telling you, it's a done deal. It's sealed by God. It's a guaranteed. That's why I'm preaching so passionately. That's why I believe so passionately. That's why I can stand before my friends and say, You need Christ. Because I know Him. He's in me. He's guaranteed me eternal life. And I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. I know that. I believe it. And I'm telling you, that's what we need in America. We need more people that believe it and live it so some of these yahoos can see Christ in them. Amen and amen. All right. All right. Got that off my chest. I feel better, all right? I didn't say that. But anyway, watch this. Verse 14. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption 
Oh, my word. Watch this. I'm going to show it to you in a minute. Let me go ahead. I'm about to get ahead. Into the redemption of the purchased possession. God's going to redeem his purchased possession to the praise of his glory. You see, you're on his mind. You're not an afterthought. You've been on his mind. From the foundation of the world, we've been in his heart. We've been on his mind. He thinks about you. He loves you. He's proved it by sending his son, the Lord Jesus, to die on a cross for you and for me. And boy, when you read that passage of Scripture there, it's just an awesome thing. And so here's the great truth from that. Listen to this. A guarantee is a good faith down payment. That's what a guarantee is, assuring the completion of the transaction. See, I've already experienced the transaction, Freddie. I made in 1979, I got the transaction. I got the transformation. He transformed me. I've already had that. Philippians 1 6. He who begun a good work in you, Mickey, he will complete it. He begun a good work in me in 1979. I just didn't get saved, so I'm going to sit and wait. I've been serving him, and he's in my heart, he's in my life, but I'm not completed yet till I get to glory. I've already been redeemed by the Redeemer. But I'm experiencing redemption and I'll experience redemption in its fullness when I get to be with Mama. When I get to be with Jesus. That's when I'm going to experience the total completion of the transaction of my salvation and I'm going to experience the redemption glory of God. Amen. I told Annie John I'm in the fourth quarter. (laughs) I'm getting close. And I'm telling you what, that's not a bad thing. You ever bought a new house? Sometimes you pay down what? Earnest money? It's called a down payment. What are you saying? Well, James, I'm going to buy that house. I want to give you this down payment as a guarantee that I'm going to buy it. And so you take my $50 (laughs) that I paid down on it. And so that's saying he's not going to sell it to somebody else because it really belongs to me. I made a down payment on it. Let me give you this illustration. My wife and I went to my favorite store in the whole world, Kmart. I love Kmart. I could, I'd almost cry when they shut down Kmart here in Athens. I did. I love Kmart. Not Walmart. I like Kmart better. Anyway, years ago, my wife and I went to Kmart to buy Haley a bicycle. We had a beautiful little bicycle there, and we couldn't afford the whole payment of that bicycle back then. So I said, okay, I want this bicycle. How much is it? They told me, I said, well... I don't have that much money. They said, we'll put it on layaway for you. That's why I like Kmart. They said, we'll put it on layaway. I said, layaway? They said, yeah. In other words, you pay us a layaway, some money down front. We'll put your name on the bicycle, and I'll put it in the back, and nobody can purchase that, and then you bring us the rest of the money, and then you can take the bicycle. I said, okay. So here's what they did under God. They wrote Macklemore on a piece of a ticket and they put it on the handlebar of that bicycle. And I watched them. They carried it in the back of Kmart and put it right there. And they said, now when you bring the rest of the money, you can pick up your bicycle. Here's the point. That bicycle already belonged to Patsy and me and for Haley. We already owned that. But it hadn't, the down payment hadn't been settled yet. It hadn't been completed. So Patsy and I went out and I made her chop cotton and she got the rest of the money. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But anyway, we got the rest of the money. We took it back to Kmart. I said, here's the rest of the money. They wheeled that bicycle out. I mean, it was a red bicycle. Wheeled it out. said, all right. They took the ticket off and said, bingo, this belongs to you now. 
It completed the transaction. Now it's paid for. Now what do you, what's the purpose of this, Pastor? What are you trying to teach? Well, let me share it with you like this. What Jesus did for us, stepped out of heaven, put on flesh and bone, and said, Andy John, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to pay your sin debt. And I want you to know that I love you that much. And as soon as you redeem it, all of heaven is yours. So Andy John gets saved. He's experiencing salvation. He's having the time of his life, pastor here at Lindsay Lane. But it ain't over yet. It's not, a done, it's not over yet. It's not finished. Because one day he's going to lay this old, these old COVID down. <laughs> he's going to lay all that down. And one day he's going to be in that little coffin. He ain't going to be there. My mom wasn't in that coffin the other day. That was her shell. She went to be with Jesus immediately when she took her last breath. She got redeemed by the Redeemer, and she experienced her redemption. Andy John's been using some illustrations, so I just drove some stuff out and thought I'd use it today for you to help you understand it. Pastor Dusty, 1979, was a hellion. I mean, I was a hellion. I was a sinner. And so I was a sinner dead in my sin, on my way to hell. Because I was in my sin. I still lived in my sin. And so I'm a sinner in my sin. So what happened? Well, I got out of my bed. I was suicidal. I was a gambler. owed a lot of money. Got out of my bed. and Got in my closet. And I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. And so Jesus became my redeemer. He redeemed me of my sin. I didn't know all about that. But I claimed it that night. And said, I trust in you, Jesus. Save me, save me, save me. And little did I know that my Redeemer redeemed my sin. So what happened in that closet? Well, here's what happened. The Holy Spirit came into my heart. That's how you get saved. You don't get saved just saying a prayer. You don't get saved just getting baptized or joining a church. You get saved when the Holy Spirit of God seals you for the day of redemption. So in 1979, I got sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. You can ask Patsy, I came out of that closet, a new husband, a new daddy. I kept telling her, I just got saved. I just got saved. I knew it. I didn't know what it, what it meant or what about it. I learned it. But it was the Holy Spirit sealed me that day. I became an adoptive son of God. The plan had already been in, 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 uh, in, in, the, in the works. He'd already done the plan way back there. Jesus had died 2,000 years ago and redeemed me. But I didn't accept it until 1979. And he sealed me with the Holy Spirit of God. He came into my heart. And then what happened? Well, the next thing was this. He became not only my Savior, my Redeemer, he became my guarantee. Now I'm going to heaven. By the way, I was going to heaven when I came out of that closet. It wasn't when I got baptized. I was already saved. I knew it. It wasn't when I joined Round Island. I got guaranteed heaven when I accepted the Redeemer into my heart as my Redeemer and my Savior. And from that moment on, I've been guaranteed heaven. I'm not working my way to heaven. I'm not just hoping I go to heaven. I've been guaranteed heaven. That's why I live the way I do. That's why I rejoice. That's when COVID hits. I'm not down in the mouth all the time because I have a blessed hope. I have hope beyond COVID. I have hope beyond the grave. 
That's why my mother rejoiced and said, I, why does Jesus leave me here? She was wanting to go to heaven. And by the way, I prayed for her to go to heaven in those last days. I knew she was going. It was a guarantee. And that's why we had a celebration service for her life. Are y'all with me? You got your mask off? Say amen. 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 All right. And then he became my redeemer. And Jesus Christ is our redeemer and our redemption. Amen. And that's the story about redemption. That's what that word means. It means that Jesus Christ loves you so much that God came out of heaven to die just for you. And he went through the cross by way of the cross to die for you. Why? To redeem your sin that you couldn't pay for. You're under bondage of sin. You're under death. At 27 years old, I was under bondage to sin. I was living in it. And boy, when I got saved, Patsy, remember that? I came out of that closet. Oh, my word. I knew how. I just kept saying, I just got saved, man. I've been forgiven. God's forgiven me. It's awesome. And I've been living for him ever since. Not perfect. By the way, I tell you all I'm not perfect. Patsy, remember? You told me I wasn't perfect. I'm not perfect. But by George, I'm getting there. And I'll be there when I get redeemed and experience my redemption. I've already been redeemed. But when I experience the total redemption, then I'll be there. See, it's like this. It's progressive. See, we have been redeemed. That's justification. Here's another church word, two, three of them. I have been redeemed in 1979. I experienced justification. That means declared not guilty. He said, okay, you, I forgive you of your sin. You ask me to, I forgive you. I justify your sins. I paid for them. That's justification. And then I'm being redeemed. I'm in the process right now of being redeemed. That's sanctification. I've been set aside, sealed by the Spirit of God, guaranteed for heaven. So I'm living right now in sanctification. I have been redeemed. And then I'm being redeemed when I go to heaven. That's called glorification. That's when I get, you get your glorified body. See, when Jesus comes back in the resurrection day, see my mom, we put her body in the grave in the ground. Her spirit went to be with Jesus. But on resurrection day, my mom's going to get a new, ba- new body. I'm going to get a new body. That's called glorification because we have been redeemed and we're going to be redeemed, redeemed completely when we get to heaven. Amen and amen. Let's pray together. Father, help us to understand. Forgive us of our waywardness. Forgive us of our arrogance, of our pride when we think we save ourselves and we've done this and we've checked this box and that. We've joined the church and we've done that and we feel like we're entitled now because we've done these things. We do those things, yes. We do join the church. We are baptized. We take the Lord's Supper. We fellowship. We do all. We read our Bible. We pray. We do all these things because we have been saved. We have been redeemed. You've justified our lives. And now we're in the process of sanctification. We've been sealed by the blood of Christ, by the precious Holy Spirit of God. And we're sanctified and saved. But Lord, there's another stage coming. It's called glorification. When we get our new body in heaven, we'll be perfected. And so, Lord, we've experienced redemption. You sent your son, Jesus, to die for our place, for our sin, to restore us, to buy us, if you will, to pay the price, the ransom. We might become Christians, Christ-like. 
children of God, adopted sons and daughters of the Most High. Lord, I'm humbled today and honored to call myself a child of God. You adopted me, Lord. I didn't earn it. I'm praying for those today that need to make that same decision. May they come to the place today where they realize they can't earn it. They can't do enough good things to earn heaven and salvation. But all they have to do is call on the name of Jesus. Ask Jesus to come into their heart and save them and redeem them from their sin. And be their redeemer and live for him. And then one day you're going to give us redemption in heaven to be with you forever and ever and ever. It's a guarantee from you, Father. So, Lord, I'm praying for those today watching by live stream, those in this service that need to make that type of decision. I pray they would do it today. Some have drifted from you from a holy distance. They're walking away. I pray they would come today and maybe recommit their heart to you and their life and their commitment to you. Lord, deal with our hearts today and draw us to you. Thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for our Redeemer. And we pray that you would do a great work in this place. Even now, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I pray in his name. Amen.